0: Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show, um, episode fifty-five, and I have a special guest, international guest, met Sunday, so we're recording on the eleventh. But um, Jai Ramna from Ghana um, and Guyana, excuse me, and has been um, has ties to Carmel Baptist since is it ninety-one or 93? ninety-three. 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 And a little fun fact, but the BT Prince led me to Christ, led him to Christ as well. Um, So, welcome, Jack. Thank you. Um, Yes, so um, again, met you a couple days ago, but uh, you have a very interesting story, and just want to allow our listeners to hear your story. Um, You know, once. Um, in the Hindu faith, now a Christian believer, and spreading the gospel, and has led, I believe, 27,000 to Christ, and been over 500 places you were just showing me on the map. So I'm going to turn
1: it over to you and let you share your story. Yeah, my name is Jai Ramnath, and um, I'm originally from Guyana. I born and raised in a very large Hindu family, where... My parents had 11 children. I'm the youngest out of 11. I had eight sisters and two brothers, and myself, so there are 11 of us. As a little Hindu boy growing up, I saw my parents do sacrifice to the Hindu gods. Sacrifice that move on from one generation the next. Sacrifice which they have to do once every year, on an exact time, on an exact date. And I can remember one year, my parents didn't have enough money to do that sacrifice that they're doing. And on that same day, 12 o'clock, my oldest sister died.
0: The
1: next day, 12 o'clock, my second oldest sister died. To make a long story short, in four days, my four eldest sister die because of the sacrifice that my parents are doing to the Hindu gods. And for listeners, real quick, what is the purpose of the sacrifice to the Hindu gods? Hindu get over 3 million gods. Wow. Which, uh, each hindus have to attach to some of these gods you worship them you feed them and not only worship and feed you have to make promises that this is what you're going to do you have to make promises that you will feed them and not only feed them their favorite food just like you and i we have our favorite food that you like taco yeah, I, I just have a six-inch of Subway, and that is my favorite. Yeah. And a big glass of Fanta, which we are not getting in Guyana. So it's that's my favorite. So these gods, they have the favorite food. They have the favorite stuff that they would like to drink. Some of them drink rum. Some of them drink uh, milk, banana and milk. Some of them would like to have the uh, blood sacrifice like a, a pig or a rooster or a goat or sheep, whatever. They want blood sacrifice. Some of them, like um, like sweet food, you have to make. So yeah, they have different, just like you and I have mm-hmm. all. The gods have. Yeah, they also have their special food and whatever they want to eat. Okay. Yes. So as a Hindu, uh, we have to feed them rather than they provide for us. We have to provide for them. Yeah. So, um... And real quick, is this a spiritual
0: God or a actual being for listeners and for myself as well that don't
1: really know the Hindu religion? Personally, they are, I would say, demons. In other words, evil spirit. Okay, spirits, okay. Yes, come from Satan. Yes. Yeah. So my parents had to... um on the fifth day after my four sister died in four days, they had to go and borrow money to do that sacrifice. And these sacrifices, as I said, are very expensive. They cost a whole lot of money to do these sacrifices. My parents parents went, they borrowed money to do the sacrifice. And even though I am the youngest of 11 children, I was very small, but I had enough sense to know that four of my dead sisters leave our house in one day. And this is something I cannot forget for the rest of my life. As time goes by, my parents, I can see the sacrifice that they had to make every year, throughout the year. Rather than save money for a brighter or a better future, Mm -hmm. they have to save money throughout the year. When the time reached for them to do that sacrifice, I saw my parents. There are times they had to sacrifice food in their home or a piece of clothes for the children, just when that time reached for them to get enough money. And that's the severity of the sacrifice and yeah. how meaningful it is to these Hindu gods Yeah, to okay. give up well-being and need
0: for the family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I have seen sacrifice, a sacrifice my parents make when the time reached for them to go and do that for the Hindu gods. As time goes by, I get an opportunity to go to Nevis, and work. Nevis is in the Western East, the Eastern Caribbean, a little island there, 25 square mile with about uh, 10,000 people. And I get an opportunity to go there and work because things was very hard in our country. Our country is a third world country and things are very hard. So I was very happy when I get a plane ticket a friend sent me a ticket, said um, come that you get a job for me. And I was very happy because I want a better life for myself. Mm-hmm. So I got I um get my ticket like a week before I supposed to travel. And I was walk, working at the sugar industry in Guyana. Is this in '93? Uh no, ninety-one. So the year I was born.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um I get my ticket like a week before I'm supposed to travel. And um, I decided I was working on the sugar industry in Guyana and I decided, hey, I'm going to work the last week because I used to um, cut sugar cane. We make bundles with it. We fetch it on our head and we load it in a barge and they float it to the factory for process. So I went to work that last week, Monday to Friday. The Friday while we was there was five of us was working together. We finished cut the cane and while we was loading it, it happened that the last bundle of sugar cane I had to go and get it. As I scooped down to pick up that bundle of cane, a big snake appeared in front of me. It's not a matter that the snake dragged his way from any direction because that is a big and open field. I could even see that snake from any direction coming mm-hmm. towards me. But that snake didn't like drag himself and come towards me. He just appeared in front of me, just like that. So I um, was there, I was looking at the snake. The snake was looking at me. My friends was calling me, telling me bring me one bundle of sugar cane. The truck was there waiting to take us home. I couldn't shout until something happened to me. I couldn't raise up because I was afraid that the snake will beat me right in my face. So I was just there looking at the snake. The snake was looking at me. One of the guys was around come towards me, like about 10 feet, and that snake just disappeared. Just like that. I went home and I um, tell my mother about it. I went to sleep that night and Around nine o'clock that night, all the lights turned off in the house. I lay down on my bed to sleep, and as I close my eyes, I feel a pressing on my tummy. When I open my eyes, that snake is right on top of me. I started to shout. My parents come, they turn on light in the room, and I must keep sure that the snake was just there, right in the room, jump around and Nobody couldn't see that snake. I'm the only person who could have seen that snake. By the way, that was not an ordinary snake that we are seeing around. That was Satan and his demons come in the form of that snake to destroy my life. So the next morning, my mother went to the Hindu gods. As a Hindu, if a child born, Hindu priest, sorry, not God, Hindu priest, mm-hmm. have to find a name for that child. For myself, my right name is Balchan Ramnath. When I born, my parents had to took me to the Hindu priest and that priest will find a name for me. In other words, anything that happened to you as a Hindu, you have to go to the priest, and the priest is like a mouthpiece to the gods. And they will explain and tell you exactly what happened. So when my mother went that morning to the priest, um, the Hindu priest said to my mother, you have to go and get your son So I my mom, come back and get me. And the priest sit down on the ground with a big book in front of him. And he get me sit down right opposite of him. And he closed his eyes and he got my finger, surrounding the book. And while my father was there with my finger in the book, he said, you could stop when you feel like, and I stopped. He opened his eyes, he looked at the book, he looked at my finger, he closed back his eyes, and he started to tell me the amount of disaster that gonna happen to me for the rest of my life. He said, it's a possibility that these guys, they're gonna kill you. But while he was there talking, he said to me that there is a way out. And I said to him, whatever it is, just tell me because I don't want to see that snake again. So while he was there, he said to me that I have to make a promise to these Hindu gods, one of them named Shiva. And that's the one, if, if you saw the, the statue of Shiva, mm-hmm. Shiva got a snake <clears throat> on that statue wrapped around his body, and the head come up like this mm. on top. <laughs> so, this, um, this Hindu priest said to me that I have to make a promise to Shiva and other gods, at least four of them. That I'm gonna feed them, I'm gonna make a sacrifice once every year on an exact day, on an exact time, and then everything will be okay with me. So I decided um this snake was keep torment my life. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'm gonna do whatever this priest said to me to do. He make out a long list of things that we have to buy, gave it to myself and my mom, and I check up the amount of money, the cost for all these things. I'm not working that kind of money in a whole month. Probably I have to work in Guyana more than two months to get that amount of money to go and make sacrifice to these gods.
0: And what, for listeners, what type of work is predominantly,
1: are most people doing in Guyana? Uh, there are rice, uh, uh, sugar industry. Guyana have uh, think 7, sugar industry. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's the biggest in the country. Okay. And there's um agriculture sector is very large in the country also. Okay. Yeah, but um. And it's about the size of South Carolina. It's yeah. For listeners trying to get a picture of how big Guyana is. Yeah. Geographically. Eighty-three thousand square miles. Eighty-three thousand. Yeah, with uh about seven hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. People. Yeah. Yeah. So um. I decide myself and my mom, we went, we put together all the money that we get. We buy all these items that the priest said that we have to buy. That was Saturday. The Sunday morning, we have to pay the priest to come and prepare that sacrifice and offer it up to the gods. So you have to buy
0: all the goods for the sacrifice and then... Pay hey. the priests yeah. to come and do
1: the sacrifice. Yeah, we, um, I couldn't do it by myself. Correct. The God holy enough or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they will not accept it. The priest will have to come and he know exactly what to do. But in order for him to come and do that, we have to pay him to, to do it's that. It's very expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive, yeah. And um, I do that on Sunday, the sacrifice. The priests come and he prepare all the sacrifice, offer it to the gods. Monday morning, I travel and gone to Nevis.
0: And what, how far is Nevis geographically, kind of from Guyana where you live? It's about um, uh, about 400 miles. 400 miles? Yeah, a wee. And for, are you driving, taking a boat,
1: flying? No, I take a plane. Take a plane, okay. okay. Yeah, to get there. So um, I went, I get to Davis, and I started a job that my friend get for me. I work for one week, and I lose a job. Something I'm familiar with in my past, just yeah. losing job after job, of. Mm-hmm. Right? it's tough. Yeah, so those who know me, I'm a very hard working person. I like to work. Yep. Yes, but I work that first week and I lose my job. Mm. I get another job, I work four or five days, I lose that one. And to make a long story short for an entire year, I keep from one job to the next. Just bouncing around. Yeah. It reached a point where I end, end up in poverty. There was no food to eat, there was no job, there was no money to pay the utility bill, the electricity, the water, everything, just cut off. There was no uh, money to pay the rent. I was living in a little 12 by 12 house and there was no money to pay the rent. And it it went on like that for a whole year. And you still have to do your sacrifice every year as well, on top of utilities, bills and... Yeah, well, that that was was the first year. Mm. It went on like that for a whole year and time reached for me to go back to Guyana and do that sacrifice. So you have to do it in your home in Guyon. You can't couldn't have done it in Nevis. It could have been done anywhere, any part of the world, but you have to get a priest to prepare that sacrifice. In Nevis, Nevis uh, have been uh, known as a Christian country. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any uh, priest there to do that sacrifice. There wasn't any money to buy those items to do the sacrifice. There wasn't any money to go back to Guyana and do it. And the exact day and time that I was supposed to do the sacrifice, and I didn't do it, the snake started to torment me again. It went on like that for a very long time. One day, someone come and gave me just one day work. I'm a... Uh, Expert on heavy equipment machine. I could operate any types of heavy equipment machine. One of this guy, his operator didn't show up to work that morning, so he come and asked me if I could fill in that day for his operator. So I said, yes, I can do that. I need food in my home, so I can do that. Whether it's one day work or a half a day or two hours or how so much, I need food. Correct. So I went that morning and um, nevis is a uh, um volcano island
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the islands around surrounding is va- volcano island so it's mountains it's either you go up or you go down it's not flat very steep hilly. yeah mm-hmm. so that morning I was on my way up a very high mountain there was billions of new roads in the country so I went up in the mountain below some trucks with stuff to do the foundation for the road. Okay. So while I was up there, I reached to the peak of that mountain and the main hydraulic line from that machine just break just like that. Mm. And all the fluid from that machine fall on the ground, get under the wheel. So no the attraction. No attraction. I was trying to, the steering get real hard. The brakes also get real hard. And that machine just stop just like that and was going back down the hill full speed. Mm. I realized I was heading towards disaster because it's just one main road all around. So a small vehicle was coming towards me and the road was very narrow. It's not like a four or five lane. It was a very narrow road. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was heading towards disaster and I had to make a decision right there and then because I would have run over all those vehicles that was coming towards me and kill dozens of people. So I tried my best. I turned that steering real hard and that machine turned cross with the road and run through some bushes. And there was a deeper reservoir there where the government set up a reservoir in different parts of the country mm-hmm. because it's high islands. When uh, dry weather, they will get water shortage. So they was store water during the rainy season mm. to use during dry weather. So that was one of the storage area, and it's like about 90 feet deep. 90 feet? Yeah, and that machine just ran through. The machine It went over into that deep reservoir. And was it empty or filled with water at this point? It was um, It was almost empty, it was very So you fell about 90 feet? Well, actually, when the machine break the hill to go over, I jump out. Mm and I land on a big rock, I fall on a big rock, oh, and I almost break up every bone in my body. Mm. I wake up that day in the hospital, I didn't know who picked me up, took me to the hospital, but I wake up that day in the hospital and I was there like, look all around. Yeah. My entire body was in cast. I couldn't walk, I was like a robot. And um, the first thing I saw in that hospital, when I look on the ground, the snake was there. The snake the, had reappeared. In the room, yeah, in the hospital room. If a doctor come, the doctor was a Hindu from India, mm-hmm. Dr. Jacob. If the doctor come, I said, that see a snake in the ground, on the ground there. And he was just watch me and ignore me. He didn't see the snake. He didn't Only see you. it. Only me could even see it. And as I said, it is Satan and his demon. Come in the form of that snake. Yeah, because he can have the power. He could appear. He could come in the form of anything or anybody and he could disappear back. Yep. He have the power, can do that. So I get discharged from the hospital a few weeks after. And as I get discharged, I was very disappointed when I get discharged from the hospital. The reason for that, when I go home, I had to drink a cup of water and go to sleep. But when I was in the hospital, I used to get three square meals.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: this, I wish they could have been keep me there until I completely mm-hmm. healed. And there's that's something similar to a previous guest talked
0: about, um, Shanique, um, with Leah's Hopes and Dreams. It's a non-profit dealing with homeless people here in the city, and during colder months she said some of the homeless people will intentionally get arrested to get locked up so they can have a warm place a bed and three meals yeah. served
1: so different but similar similar yeah yeah because I was um I, would, I would, if they would keep me there I would appreciate that until mm-hmm. I completely Heal, but um, I get discharged, and when I went home the first day, I drink a cup of water, and I went to sleep. Actually, I couldn't sleep that night, but I still, I was still in pain, a lot of pain, and not only um, like physical pain, right? I was like, look back at my life, mental as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was looking back at my life. So I was there on that bed and the next morning, I um, I slide myself off the bed and there was a hammock right next to the bed. And I went in that hammock and I laid down and I was looking at the house roof. I laid down flat on my back, I was looking at the house roof. And While I was there, I still was like, look back at my past, my past life. I keep looking back at all the disaster that I went through. Mm-hmm. And I keep asking myself, is it gonna get better or it gonna get worse? It's already worse. And while I was there, I was like tell myself, I'd rather die than to live in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. So while I was there like looking up at the house roof, I said, no, I'm not gonna live in this situation. So I was looking at the house, the hammock rope, Yep. and I slide myself off the hammock and I was trying to loose that hammock rope, pull myself up, go on top of the bed, tie that rope around my neck and jump off the bed. Mm -hmm. I finished loose the rope and while I was trying to pull myself up to go on the bed, a friend come to see what I'm doing. And he saw me on the ground and he asked what I'm doing. I tell him, well, the a rope cut and I was trying to tie it back. Yeah. But I was going to take my life that day.
0: Similar to me, where God has intervened and not allowed that for me, for you, to go through with the suicide.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to take my life that day, but... Um, after that, a friend come and he tied back the hammock, he spent the rest of the day with me, We he was here talking. He went and get a little stuff for me to eat because I was very hungry. And I decided that day, well, I'm not gonna take my life today, maybe tomorrow or some other time, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. But um, a few weeks after I get called from the hospital to go back. They took the cast on certain part of my body. They take it out. And I could have been walk a little, but I still was in pain. I still was in the healing process. And one Sunday, a young man owned a big onion farm in Nevis. They plant a lot of onions in that country. He come and he asked me if i interested in a part-time job, three hours a day. So I tell him, yes, in spite of I'm in pain, I'm going to do it. Because you need food. And- I need food in my home. Yeah. yeah. I need a better life that, than where I am right now. Yeah. So I decided that in spite of all the pain that I'm going through, I'm going to take that job. And do you have medicine for your pain or are you just having to weather the pain? No, I have medicine okay. for the, yeah. Yeah, so I went the Monday morning, the guy come, he picked me up, took me in his farm, but he said, hey, when you finish work 12 o'clock, you have to find your way home. So I walked from 9 to 12 that day, and then those islands are very hot because they're higher. Uh, mm, the yeah. altitude. Uh-huh. It's very hot, so I had to walk that day like a little over more than a mile from that farm to where I live. And with the pain that you're in from recovering from your injury still. Yeah, with all the pain, and I was hungry, I was thirsty, the sun was very hot. I had to walk a whole mile to reach home. And I was walking, living very slowly, going home that day. Yep. And I was on one side of the road, and coming on the other side of the road, I saw an old man with a big camera on his neck. <laughs> That's how I saw him at that time. An old man with a big camera on his neck coming towards me. And when he reached opposite me, he raised his hand and he said to me, young man, I would like to talk to you.
0: Huh? You probably don't want to talk to him after a long day working in pain, just want to get home.
1: No, and I just stand there and I was looking at this man, a walked come towards me. I was looking at the journey that I had to go. I was very hungry. I was thirsty, I'm in pain. I said to myself, what did this disgusting old man want? (laughs) I didn't tell him, but I said to myself, what did this disgusting old man want? But he walked over to me and he looked at me right in my face and he said to me, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said to him, no, that I am a Hindu. He said to me, "Hinduism is not the way. Jesus is the only way." So by then I get a little angry with him. I don't like people tell me about my religion. Yeah. So I asked him, "Can you explain this to me?" And he started to share with me from one Bible verse to the next how Jesus can save me. And by the way, that was uh, Becky Prince from Charlotte, North Carolina. Carmel Baptist, Carmel Baptist Church. Baptist Church. Yeah, that's the same beauty prince you said led you to Jesus. Christ. Correct, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So while he was there share with me from one Bible verses to the next as to how Jesus can save me, I wasn't paying any attention to him. I was like, in my mind, what well, is this man stop talking so I could go home? <laughs> he, he can talk. Yeah. He can, he can talk, yeah. yeah. And he's a person, he's not taking no for an answer. No,
0: very persistent. Yeah.
1: So while I was there, I wasn't paying any attention to him. He was just there talking and talking from one Bible verses to the next, how God can save me. But while I was there looking at the journey that I had to go, and that man was still there talking and talking, I feel something happened to me. I didn't know what it is at that time, but I took my eyes off that journey that I had to go, And I was looking this man into his face and listened to everything that he had to say. And when he realized that I was giving him all my attention, he said to me, if I want to give Jesus a chance in my life, I said to him that if this Jesus that you are talking about can get me out of my situation, I'm willing to give him a shot.
0: Mm.
1: just a few days ago you were... Yeah. Ready to give up on your life. Yeah. But he um he realized that I, I was limping while I was walking. So he asked me, I share my entire life with him, what I'm going through and everything. So when um, I tell him, yes, I'm willing to give Jesus a chance in my life, he then said to me that how Jesus don't want any food to eat. You don't have to feed him any food or anything. All he wants us to do, present our body, a living sacrifice pleasing unto him. Mm -hmm. That's all Jesus wants. So I said to him, yes, I'm gonna do it. So he um, asked me to close my eyes, bow my head. He put his hands on my shoulder and he was lead me into the sinner's prayer. While I was there and he was lead me into the sinner's prayer right there and then I feel like a ton of brick just drop right off my body. Again, I didn't know exactly what happened to me that day, but now I know the word of God. The Bible said, any man be Christ, they are new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. All the old baggage that I was carrying for years just dropped right off that day. Jesus, come, fill me with his Holy Spirit. I'm a new man in Jesus Christ today. B.T. Prince was uh, the man that led me to Christ. After he finished praying for me, he gave me his Bible. Mm. I said to him, uh, no sense give me this Bible because I can't read. At the age of 21, when I gave my life for Jesus Christ, I couldn't spell my name. Mm. I didn't go to school. When my parents used to send me to school, they used to give me like a little 25 cent guyana currency mm-hmm. to go to go to school and to buy snacks myself and some other friends we will to put together all the money that we get and we will buy rum and cigarette and gun in the bush and smoke and drink and never used to go to school mm. so at the age of 13 i introduced myself to alcohol by the time I get to 14, 15, I started to smoke cigarettes, I started to smoke marijuana. By the time I reach at the age of 16, I started to do drugs, cocaine. Yeah, and that was my drug. Yeah, and it, it destroyed my entire teenage life. Yeah. Right now, I don't know what my teenage life looked like. It was all drugs, alcohol. There are times when, times when I want money, to support my dirty habit, and I didn't get any money, I will go and thief. Mm. I can remember a time I robbed somebody oh. just to get money to support my dirty habit. And that's the scary part of addiction. Yeah, there are times when I want money and I to buy to support my habit, and I couldn't get. I will go in people farm, thief a bunch of plantain, or bananas and I will go and sell it just to get money mm. to support my habit. Yeah. So I gave my life to Jesus Christ then and um, at what age? At the age of twenty one. Twenty-one. Yeah. I um when B.T. Prince gave me his Bible, I said to him I can't read. He said, okay, keep this Bible. He come back to the United States. He sent me uh, it's a CD, Bible on CD, yep. and a CD player, and I listened to the Bible, and I went over that Bible more than eight times, over and over, and while I was listening to the Bible, I was flipping like page after page in the Bible, chapter after chapter, verses after verses, and there are some verses that I want to get familiar with. I will back it up on the CD and listen to it over and over and I started to memorize. Mm. Right now, the most important part of the Bible, I get it memorized. Mm. That's the reason why today I can preach the gospel. I was in Nevis, I started, I heard the, um, from the word of God, the importance of winning one soul for God's kingdom. So in spite of I couldn't read, I started to walk all over in my spare time. Whoever I see, it doesn't matter who, I saw on the road or wherever, I will stop them just like Beatty Prince stopped me that day. On that road, I will stop people and I will share with them what Jesus done for me. Mm -hmm. And the same Jesus can do it for you. I started a children ministry I started to go to the prison. In other people's spare time, they might probably go to the club, or they might probably go to friends' home, or they might probably go to the beach, or wherever, go out to lunch or whatever. But in my spare time, in Nevis, after I give my life to Jesus Christ, I will go up, the prison was up in the mountains. And there where I was hanging out with the prisoners them played cards with them, played dominoes with them, and shared the word of God with them. Beside my families, they was my best friend. Mm -hmm. Those prisoners was my best friend.
0: The ones that a lot of people forget about,
1: turn their back on. Yeah. So I, I can testify more than, it's a very small prison. But more than 40, I think it was about 42 prisoners I led to Christ during my ministry up in that prison. After that, a few years after, God spoke to me and told me to go back to my country, Mm -hmm. to Guyana. I sell out everything that I had in Nevis. I had a job. I was working like sometimes three, four jobs in Nevis just to build a future. I built a home in Nevis, I had a a car, and God called me to go back to Guyana. I set out everything there, myself, my family moved back to Guyana. We established a ministry called Celebration of Love Outreach. Celebration of Love Outreach. Outreach, yeah. Where we started uh, in communities and tongues, little tongues, and barbies where I belong to. But then um, somebody introduced me for the first time to a place called Oriala. That's in the jungle village, in one jungle village. And the first village, Oriala, when I went to that place and I see the result there and how people are hungry for the gospel, because these are places where Christians don't want to go. They don't want to make sacrifice. Where at times you have to sleep under trees, at times you uh, you have to like be with muddy water, and wherever places to sleep or whatever accommodation you have to adapt to it. Yes. So there are Christians who and pastors and who don't want to go to these places. They will rather remain in the tongue. Like one pastor, the time tell me that he's a course line guy he would not move towards the coastline. Mm. One pastor at a time Tell me, oh, I like my air-conditioned room and my nice bed. <laughs> but uh, my question to a uh, Christian who are think that way, what would Jesus do? Jesus' sleeping boat, rain with him. Mm-hmm. Jesus walks 75 miles across the desert to reach the woman at the well. 75 miles the bible would not tell you that but history will tell you that's the distance that jesus walk just to reach one person the woman at the well so the question is what would jesus do jesus is the one who commands us that we must go into all the world and jesus didn't put boundaries today we are putting boundaries to our calling but Jesus never put a boundary. He said, go into all the world. Yeah. All the world means wherever there are souls, to be one. Okay. So I started this ministry in Nevis and um, sorry, in Guyana. And um, from the first jungle village that I went to, God showed me a big picture of all the jungle villages, river villages, mountains, wherever, in Guyana. So I started um, that. We have two staff with us in Guyana. And starting, this is close to 17 years ago. And I could testify we had over 27,000 persons that gave their life to Jesus Christ. That's amazing. We start with river villages. And um, we usually have teams who come like every summer. And we will do like foot washing ministry where we will go and have uh, like different parts, of, not in the jungle, but different part in the little town. And we will have children ministry where we wash the children's feet and put on shoe on them. And we will tell them about Jesus Christ. It reached a point at that time we was doing uh, tennis shoes. Tennis shoes? Yeah. And we were shipping like a big container full from the US to Guyana, mm-hmm. and it um, reached a point where we get so much big tennis shoes, and we don't know what to do with big sizes. Well, that's me. I have a size fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a big foot. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard
0: to even find those in North in the United States. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So we have so much big sizes, and then um, I was telling Beth that. Um, you know, we could see how we could get into the prisons in Guyana with those big sizes of tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. So I uh, send a letter to the Guyana Prison Service to seek permission to go into the prisons and we will do the foot washing ministry. We will wash prisoners' feet and we will put on footwear on them and we will tell them about Jesus. For the first, uh, the door, in spite of we get a yes, we get okay to go in the prison, the doors were still closed. We get to the prison door and we will take like hours before they allow us to come in. So you're just sitting out there waiting for hours after you got the okay to be able to go in. Yeah, from, yeah. One, from one debate to the next, whether or not they should allow us to come in. Correct. Yeah. So it reached a point where during that time, in spite of we get a yes and a okay, the door was still closed, but now we can drive up to the prison door, and as we get there, it wide open for us to go Because I saw the good that you were doing. Yeah. And the need that was there. Yeah, and the changes in those prisons. Correct, probably behavior. Yeah, yeah, behavior, well, yeah, the changes, yeah. And we have got a uh, whole lot of feedback from uh, the prison authority, since we started to do prison ministry, mm-hmm. right with the behavior, and it's have keep going on and on all the
0: time. Because I remember when we were talking on Sunday, you showed me a picture of uh, one of the wardens with a shank in her hand that a prisoner had come and said, "I will not be needing this anymore."
1: Yeah, that day we was doing um, we was doing our foot washing ministry, which is powerful in the prison. Yeah. And um, this young man, I don't know how long he took him to make that shank. I mean, it looked like a nice shank. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But he was making that shank to kill somebody in the prison. Yep. He have enemy in that prison. And that day when we went there and we present the gospel in songs, we do praise and worship, uh, we preach a sermon, and then we do the foot washing ministry and go over back the plan of salvation with prisoners. That same young man that made that sham to kill somebody, he accept Christ that day. He was baptized that same day. We baptized prisoners in a little kiddie pool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll blow up that pool full little water and we'll baptize them in there. That young man get baptized that day. And we gave him a Bible. And he walked up to the warden that day with the Bible in one hand, mm-hmm and the shank in another hand. And he said to the warden here, I didn't need this anymore. I get the Bible. Trade in the shank for, you know, the yeah. sword. And with that um, with that shank, he could have been, mm-hmm. yet, another five years on his time in prison. It's the contraband? yep. Yeah. But I went, when, um, I think it was, Beth or Steve walked up, that that uh, warden and said, is he gonna get any punishment for that? And the warden said, no. He's not gonna get any punishment for that because he was so glad that he gave it up because it w- w- might probably be a disaster in the prison. He might probably kill more than one person. Yeah. Yeah, so he didn't need that anymore. He got a sword and that's the word of God. Amen. And that is exactly, we all need. Whether or not you're in prison, whether you come out of prison, whether you are on drugs, we all need the word of God to guide and to direct us and to take us the way we should go. So we started the prison ministry and um, it has become a successful one. Not only we when U.S. team come, we go into the prison, but we have a weekly prison ministry. On Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday, we go to different prisons in Guyana. And how many prisons are there in Guyana? There used to be eight, one burned down, so there are seven right now.
0: And then for our listeners, you said the U.S. team. Can you talk about the U.S. team and um, the non-profit that you're working with? kind of for our listeners.
1: Well, our ministry here in the U.S. called International Celebration Association, which is a nonprofit here in the U.S. Our ministry in Guyana is a branch here from the U.S. called Celebration of Love Outreach. Mm-hmm. Every year we get uh, themes that was before COVID, and now we're going to start back. This year during COVID, we only get to do one U.S. team during COVID. But now we will start back having teams come from the U.S. to Guyana to go to the prison and to go different places where we do our foot washing ministry. We also... um. Not only get teams alone, but at least four times a year, we will uh, collect used clothing, Mm -hmm. Uh, we will buy reading glasses, we will have Bibles, we buy flip-flops in Guyana, and we took it to all these jungle villages, all the prisons, children, homes, wherever we go. And we will take it to Guyana and distribute to those who are in need. As I said, our countries are very poor country, it's a third world country, and it's in a lot of needs right now, especially the villages in the interior, mm-hmm. river and area, yeah. And I remember
0: you uh, showed me a picture Sunday when we were talking of one of the jungle villages, um, and they had clothes on, but that was only because the government had delivered clothes. You know, they didn't know what money was. They had their own language. And I think you said there was 11 families, but just something I had never seen, I've heard about, but never actually seen a photo of a jungle village. And it was just eye-opening to see that.
1: Yeah, this uh, village that we discover, it was the Waro tribe. Waro tribe? Yeah, it's a tribe called Waro. And... um, they don't believe in work for people. They don't believe in sending the children to school. They don't believe in uh, going to the shop and buy grocery or whatever. They will uh, hunt wild animals in the jungle. They will catch fish. They will cut off the top of those big, huge palm trees, and there are worms in those the heart of those trees mm-hmm. and they will took those worms and they will light fire and roast it and that is how they live. Sure, it's a lot of protein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we um, discovered that village and there was like about I think 11 families with over a hundred and some men, women and children. They have their own language, they don't understand English And the area that they was living in, they call it a camp and not a village. And their house is like built with branches and no flooring. And uh, you saw those pictures I can show you, the way they live. And when you were preaching there, they had their canoes lined up kind of like seating almost, to yeah. gather around it. listen. Yeah, so it um, the land was so muddy that we couldn't come out on the land. So we pull up there with our boat and stand, our boat gets a shed. We stand on top of our boat and they come with a little canoe and surround us. And we use the top of the boat as a pulpit where we share the gospel with them. There was someone God provided someone there to interpret Mm -hmm. while we was preaching the gospel. And we not only do that, we... um, During Christmas time, we took a whole lot of goodies to those people. Those children never saw a lollipop. I remember you telling me that. Didn't know the wrapper or anything. They don't know how to take out the wrapper from that lollipop and to eat, to suck that lollipop. So I saw a little child took that lollipop just like that and started to eat it. With the wrapper in jail. With tail. the wrapper <laughs> on it. So I went up to that, that little child in the canoe and I show him how to, as a little boy, how to take off the wrapper and I would like try to sign language mm-hmm. because he don't understand English. Which part you have to eat and which part the little stick to have to throw away. Yeah. And then others was there and they was watching just how I showed that little boy. That's how they knew how to unwrap a lollipop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how remote it is. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um. So how can listeners, you know, pray for y'all, you know, your um ministry, the U.S. team, um, donate is there ways for them to um, find resources to give and um, help
1: yeah there are ways where you can uh, people can give and we can probably put it on the bottom of the podcast so that people could see yes if anyone would like to give uh, and they are going to be addressed there but as I said our website you could go on our website also and get. And what is um, y'all's website i'll put it up but what is it as well international celebration.org international celebration.org. yeah and you can see everything on that website as to what we are doing in guyana you could also see all the needs for clothing, use clothing use and new clothing reading glasses and if anybody would like to donate financially towards our ministry is tax deductible. And then also, you said y'all generally go on four trips a year, or the U.S. brings four trips a year? No, the U.S. brings one trip a year for, two, for two weeks. But we uh, go every month, once a month to the interior jungle. Mm-hmm. Then we um, do three days a week in to the, prison. the prison. And then we had uh, every Saturday, we used to go to abandoned teenage girls' home. And that was a home where there's a whole lot of needs there. Since COVID, we didn't get to go back, but this year we are trying to get back approval to continue what we are doing. But that's um, a home at times where we will get over 100 abandoned teenage girls in that home. In that home, we saw 11 and a half year old mothers in that home You said 11 and a half eleven old and a half years mothers we have 12 years also mothers and it's not a matter because they uh like disobedient and they went out and they get pregnant no the 11 and a half year old was raped and get pregnant the 12 year old also was raped and get pregnant. Mm. So that is a home we used to go over the past years, but because of COVID and our country been shut down for a little while, we had to um, seek permission again to continue. So that we usually do on Saturdays. We will go to that teenage girl's home and we will do ministry here also. And also there are needs there for a lot of clothing, baby clothes, a teenager. And, yeah, there's a whole lot of needs. So they can find all that on the website? Yeah. And be able to donate and give and
0: um, kind of follow along with what y'all are doing um, yeah. throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we wrap up, i like to ask all guests for advice. Um, What advice do you have for our listeners? Um, You're our first international guest. You were once Hindu, now Christian, and you're out in the jungles. You're all over in prisons. Um, So you've seen a lot. Um, And as we talked about, you know, suicide at one point was on your mind. So you've been through some dark um, days and you've seen, you know, the better days now. And you're able to help others. What advice do you have for listeners who may be struggling, going through some tough times um, and, you know, young kids
1: or whatever it may be? What advice do you have that has helped you? What um, mostly helped me to be where I am right now is the word of God. For those who are doing drugs over the past years, uh, being a leader for this ministry and Travel in different part of the country. Our country is a channel for drugs mm. into the United States and other country from Colombia. Got channel through Guyana and distribute to several other country. So our country Guyana have access to a whole lot of drugs, cocaine, and travel different places in the jungle and different places in our country. I have seen a lot of young persons. The last one we was uh, praying for, it was a 16-year-old that tripped out because of drugs. Mm. He tripped. He was hallucinating. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because of drugs. And it happened to him when he was 15. Our country shut down because of COVID. He couldn't go to school. So he decided he's going to go in the gold mine and he's going to work there. And there are people there in the mine, all the folks that are working there, who was doing drugs, introduced him to drugs. And within a year, I would say he turned mad. Went crazy. Crazy, yeah. Within a year, So for people who are listening to this program and you are in drugs, you have problem, there are situations that you are going through, drugs or alcohol cannot help you. It cannot. The only way you can get help is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I was doing another podcast and I was speaking on faith. Faith comes with a whole lot of package. A whole lot of package from the Word of God. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the package that comes with it, you live that life, if, in fact, a life pleasing unto God. Drugs or alcohol or whatever, you would not want have that desire again to do that. In other words, at the age of 21, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I used to smoke marijuana, I used to smoke cigarettes, I used to thief. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the desire is not there anymore. It's gone because it's a package come with faith. Mm-hmm. If you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say the mountain be removed. Which is very small. Small, yeah. Yes. And I'm going to explain that. But when the Bible said you shall say the mountains be removed, not these mountains that we are seeing. Yes, God can move them because he created them. But mountains of sin mm-hmm. in our life, drugs, alcohol, if you exercise that faith in Jesus Christ, All those mountains that are hindering you or trying to take your life, I think God is going to take it away. You're going to be a new man in Christ. A mustard seed faith, the Bible said a mustard seed is the smallest in the entire jungle. That mustard seed has been grown up to be the biggest tree in the jungle it's also said that the birds will come and they will shelter under the mustard tree leaves. So I'll put everything in a little nutshell. That little mustard seed that grown up to be the biggest tree in the jungle. If you exercise that little faith, your blessing gonna grow that big. What What can God do? You know, like how big. And become with just little faith. Be, I was telling uh, Beth today that um, not too long ago he was trying to come, to, to come here. And um, this morning I was trying to read something, a uh, message. But um, it took me a long time to call some of these words. So I was telling Beth, don't laugh after me because you know I didn't get education. I can't read. But God has moved me from. At the age of 21, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I couldn't spell my name. I can't read the Bible. I know the Bible by my head. Yes, I could read it now because I know all those words. But other books, I can't read it. But God has moved me from one level to the next, Mm education-wise. In spite of I did not go back to school, I can read emails, I can read text messages that people send to me, or whoever, I could do all those things, but I never go back to school. If we make ourselves available, and I was telling me that I thank God that I was forced to do that, because when an email comes to me, I don't have anybody to read it, so I have to walk my way through yeah, and try to understand what exactly is there in that email. Or when a text message comes to me, I have to walk my way through and try to understand what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. And today, being a man that never go to school, never you can spell my name. And today I'm a leader of a ministry mm-hmm. and a big ministry, large ministry in Guyana and can do all those things. I mean, I make myself available for God to use me. Yeah. And not only me, it can happen to anybody. You don't have education or you are in drugs or alcohol or whatever, whatever situation, just make yourself available. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming on, taking time to
0: share your story and more about your ministry. Um, It's been an honor to have you on the show. Um, So thank you. Um, You mentioned real quick, um, You were on another podcast. So that podcast that you were on, Christy Bottles, was a previous guest on my show talking about her story. So for any listeners, um, go back. I'm not sure what episode it was. Late 40s, I believe. But um, go and give Christy Bottles episode a listen. And not sure the name of her podcast. Do you know the name of it? I I don't know. Actually,
1: this will be her first.
0: Yes, it'll be her first. I never heard the name. So um, I'll find out the name and help promote that. But um, so listeners, go back and listen to her episode if you haven't. And then. I'll put it out there so you can listen to, um, her first ever episode of her podcast and Jai. So again, thank you. It's been an honor to sit down and hear your story and just, um, you know, the mustard seed faith that, uh, you had. And thanks to BT Prince to listening to his calling from God to share the word, um, with you and then for Beth Puckett and her husband for the ministry, they started with you and, um, hosting you and you're like a son to them. Yeah. Um, so it's been an honor. Um, and, um, so thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. So thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. If you have any questions, comments, uh, want to come on the show, feel free to reach out, um, Email the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. Shoot a message on Instagram, Facebook, or text message, and then give us a follow and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks and stay tuned for next week.